Before we start today's episode, I want to mention our sponsor, Swoosh English, the best way to pass your OET or IELTS exams. For 10% off any course, go to swooshenglish.com forward slash our voices discount or click the link in the episode description. I'm Alex Melia, and this is Our Voices, a stage for real people to tell the real stories we never get to hear. In this series, we welcome NHS doctors and nurses who now live and work in the UK. We'll immerse ourselves within their stories as they work tirelessly to help their patients. 20 billion dollars, that's the amount of remittances that OFWs or overseas Filipino workers send back home. This is JV. After spending eight years as a registered nurse in the Philippines, he joined the 24,000 other Filipino nurses who travel abroad to find a better income each year. Between my brother and I, well, we have a huge age gap. So after, as soon as I graduated from college, I started to support his studies. It actually makes me feel great because now, because of the um, financial support that I'm able to give him, he has the choice of which course to take. JV has provided his younger brother with the opportunity to choose his direction in life, a choice his family was not able to provide for him. I became a nurse, not because I wanted to be a nurse, but out of necessity, because the real uh, dream for me was to become a doctor. Oh, it, it does make me frustrated knowing that um, at, I'm at this age, uh, I'm already 32 years old. If I go into med school, that will be too late for me. So... I have no choice but just to climb the ranks um, as a nurse. How difficult was it financially for you to become a nurse in the UK? Uh, the financial side of it was the more difficult one. Because you see, in order to become a UK nurse from a Philippine nurse, you just have to pass the English exam, which can either be the IELTS or the OET. And then you have to go through the computer-based test. And then also, of course, the interviews with your employer. But the real difficulty lies in the in your uh, capacity to support yourself financially as you go through this process. Because if you fail the IELTS for the first time when you take it, that's already approximately 10,000 pesos. Uh, most hospitals, the Filipino nurse will only be earning anywhere between 10 to 13,000 pesos. So if you fail that exam once, then you'll have to save up again. And then, of course, there are the other costs, like, for example, since the Philippines is an archipelago, because of the limited presence of testing centers, one has to travel um, by air to reach uh, Metro Manila or Cebu. Those are the two primary cities with the testing centers. And if you travel there, then the plane ticket will cost you by uh, will cost you at least 2,000 to 3,000 pesos, not including luggage. <laughs> the difficulties JV experienced simply getting to the UK could easily have made him bitter about his situation. But it shows great strength of character to have instead given him an appreciation for what he has been able to achieve. Whenever I have a hard day, whenever I feel frustrated with my work, whenever I feel I've been on the receiving end of um, racial microaggression, I just keep telling myself, the things that I have now, I was only praying for them two years ago. Let's go back to JV's arrival in the UK. It felt different because that was my first time ever being away from home. That was my first time outside of the Philippines. Moving abroad to set up a new life can be daunting, especially if you're not used to traveling. First impressions will stay with you forever, 
and can completely change your perspective of a country. Uh, the immigration guy who stamped my passport, I remember him saying, oh, so you're a Filipino nurse. I was like, yeah, just like probably 90% of the Filipinos whose passports that you stamp on a daily basis, I am yet another Filipino nurse. And then he said, oh, well, I have a lot of things to be thankful for because he told me that his brother got into an accident and one of the nurses who was really nice to him was a, a Filipino nurse. So I was like, oh, represent. <laughs> He's making friends already. But JV didn't have much time before starting work. He told me about a 70-year-old man he was caring for. So he was septic. His temperature was high. His breathing was erratic. His heart rate was all over the place. And then I brought it up to the nurse whom I was shadowing. And then I can see her struggle trying to get the person's fame because she needed to candidate this patient. I remembered closing the curtains in that bay and I said, Sister, would you like me to try it? And she said, no, unfortunately... You are not a nurse in this country yet. You're an advanced HCA. So instead of having this gentleman be candidated straight away, they had to call one of the other doctors who tried multiple times before they got the patient's fame. But in my years of experience, I know I could have gotten that patient's fame straight away. And then, since I know what's going to happen, I started to prepare the antibiotics, the IV antibiotics that they were going to administer to this gentleman. They saw me reconstituting the drugs. They allowed me because technically I was not, uh, I was only preparing the drugs. I was not giving it yet. I was preparing the drugs, which they were going to inject into the patient. And then I gave it to them and they said, thank you, JV. Unfortunately, you cannot give this drug because you're not yet a nurse. So they had to um, have someone else give it. And all I was thinking was, I understand that I'm not qualified in this country yet, but I've been doing this for 10 years and it really felt I felt really impotent at that time because me, with uh, my nearly 10 years of experience in nursing at that time, I was not allowed to get anywhere near the person's veins, not to administer any antibiotic, not to administer any IV fluids. And then here comes along this um, new nurse from the UK who only had one year of experience as a nurse. And here she is, and they're relying on her. And I knew in my heart that I have the skills to deal with that situation much better compared to um, the other nurse. How did you deal with that sense of frustration? Uh, I dealt with it with two glasses of whiskey. <laughs> yeah, I remember going to the social club after that. So I was happy after two glasses. And then I woke up early the next day to make it through another workday. Although frustrating, JV has since proved himself more than capable on that ward and has even been given a promotion. Some issues, however, have left JV astonished at the actions of some of his patients. I had to bring him in for a procedure. So in order to check the patient's identity, just to make sure we have the right patient and they're coming in for the right procedure, we usually do our checks and that's done by asking the patient for his name, the first line of his address, and his date of birth. When I asked him those questions, Apparently, it was the um, third or fourth time that someone asked him the same set of questions. But the thing is, he was asked those questions by other people, confirming him for, you know, other things. He got really annoyed. And then he was saying stuff like, you better get this right, boy. <laughs> you better get this right, boy, if you want your Christmas bonus and keep working in this country. <laughs> At first, I laughed it off because uh, I, I know angry old men. And eventually he said, 
I think the reason why you're asking all these questions about my identity is because of all the immigrants coming in here. It's like, what, uh, what impact would the number of immigrants in the UK have on your uh, name and date of birth? And he said, another thing, I have this theory. You're doing all these checks because it tells me that you slipped up uh, in the past. And I told him, sir, the reason why there are no slip-ups that happen is because I'm very strict with these protocols. And eventually, yeah, so it's a good thing that uh, I encountered him when I've already been here for two years, because if it happened uh, much earlier in my career, then I probably would have just uh, wilted like a flower. I thought it was just me, but then even the consultant with whom uh, he was working with at that time, she also um, sensed uh, some aggression from that man. How are you more equipped to deal with that kind of situation now? Um, back when I was new, I was working in a gastro ward and I was shadowing this awesome nurse. She's an Irish nurse and she doesn't she doesn't take any shit from anyone. Pardon my language. And yeah, so I basically molded my UK nurse persona after her because I realized if you're tough, then no one's going to you know, try to bully you. During my first few weeks here, I had a lot of people from other services try to tell me off and tell me how to do my job. Your experience shows that sometimes it really is necessary to just stand up for yourself. I wonder how your experience working in the NHS and living in the UK has changed your perspective. It has broadened the level of acceptance in me because growing up in a place where everyone is you know, racially the same, I have developed some stereotypes in my head before I came in here. Like people of a certain race are lazy. People from a certain race are unattractive. People in a certain race are hell to work with. But then as soon as I, as soon as I um, uh, started to engage with people from other races, that's when I started to develop a different perspective. We should not judge the race. We should judge the individual. And I, I like to say that I've made a lot of friends from different racial and socioeconomic backgrounds. I've made friends with some of my patients as well, but I try to maintain this professional boundary still. <laughs> I asked JV about the differences between the healthcare systems in the Philippines and the UK. A lot of people need to have more appreciation, not just for the foreign healthcare workers, but for the NHS itself. A lot of people don't realize the cost of healthcare and how much socialized healthcare is actually helping their country. In this country, I'm able to give vials and vials of meropenem, one of the um, advanced generations of antibiotic, and it's not going to run a person into poverty. That same vial back home costs 300 pounds. 300 pounds. And unfortunately, the monthly income of a normal person is only 250 pounds. So if you finish a course of antibiotic, it's going to ruin your family. It's going to ruin you uh, financially. And then there are other services within the NHS as well that people don't have an appreciation for, such as having home care, having people uh, come to your house or come to your mother's house to um, take care of them. These are things that people should be thankful for. But unfortunately, these are also the systems which are being taken advantage of. JV's got some great advice for anyone wanting to pursue a career as a nurse. The key to a successful career in healthcare, whether in the UK or anywhere else, is just courage. Courage to face the patient in front of you. Courage to wake up every day and have the determination to actually see your patients. Just treat patients the way that you would treat people. 
you are treating people, not the disease. You're not treating a diagnosis. You're not treating a machine. You're treating a person. So I think a lot of the good feedback that I got was because they say they felt humanized by the care that I give them. JV then gestures behind him to a card he's framed from one of his patients. There's a message inside it. It came from the wife of one of our patients. Her husband was an alcoholic and he has he's got um, a lot of bad behavior, even in the ward. And then I was one of the very few nurses who were patient with him. And then eventually, as he was going through the detox, going through the detox regimen, he started to regain who he is as a person. And then I think his wife, uh, every day when she was visiting her husband, she was able to see the transformation. And then she gave me this letter and she said, I read so many things about the values of your hospital and I see that you embody them. Back home, people don't show a lot of appreciation for their nurses. It's only here that I'm starting to get this kind of, uh, these kinds of gifts and um, letters from my patients. So, It's quite new to me, and it's one of the things that gives me encouragement, you know, to wake up each day and put on my scrubs. JV has an inner strength about him, and he certainly seems to hold his own when it comes to dealing with colleagues and patients in the UK. He not only exudes a great deal of courage when encountering the day-to-day challenges of working in the NHS, but also has a great sense of humour to go along with it too. Necessary ingredients we can all aspire to have in. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, please click subscribe. And if you could leave us a review, it would mean a lot. If you want to continue the conversation with us, reach out at ourvoicespodcast.com or... If you found this episode valuable, please consider supporting us to keep doing what we're doing through our Patreon page. You can find a link in the description. See you in the next episode. I want to acknowledge our sponsor, Swoosh English, for making these podcasts possible. It's the best place to get training and support to pass your OET, IELTS and PT exams. If you want to hear from doctors or nurses, who've passed their exam with the help of Swoosh English, go and listen to episodes from Rima, Midun, Cynthia, Tara, and Hussein. For 10% off any course, visit swooshenglish.com forward slash Our Voices discount.